Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's True Potential Do More With Your Money podcast. Quick reminder that you can watch all of our past podcasts and make sure you don't miss any future ones by subscribing to our True Potential YouTube channel. So this is episode 25, and wow, a lot has changed in the last week. The pubs have reopened. We've begun to move from lockdown to lock-in, as well as getting half-cut. You can get a haircut as well, and gyms are about to reopen too, so just in time for... Rishi Sunak to hand out the Mackey D's and the Burger King vouchers. So to discuss all of that, we're joined uh, this week by David Harrison, by Chris Leyland, uh, Greg Lang as well. And live from somewhere that I can tell is not England, because that is definitely not an English rainy background, Daniel Harrison. So Daniel, tell us, where are you? Morning, Peter. Yeah, um, as you can tell by this jazzy shirt, which Greg enjoyed looking at this morning. Um, I'm in Spain. Um, I'm on holiday. So flew across on Saturday. Uh, we, we, we took a bit of a, a, a gamble about two months ago, the family. Um, EasyJet had said they were looking to fly from the start of July. So we got on and we probably got flights for about £300 for the four of us to fly across to Malaga. Um, so we kind of thought, well, if it flies, it flies. Um, if it doesn't, it doesn't. We're very lucky we have access to a wonderful home over here in the middle of the countryside um so very private and a really small village so yeah we we flew across so instead of self-isolating in northumberland and now self-isolating in um a town called cortez which is northwest of malaga um so six days here now um we're, we're gonna continue to isolate for a couple more days at least as well just to we don't want to bring the bring the english plague across to the spanish now, since, since they're a couple of weeks ahead of us, by, by the looks of things. Can I ask a typically English question and ask what the weather's like? <laughs> the weather is, um, it looks, I don't know if you can see, looks dreadful. Um, 20, 29 degrees, I think it is right now, Peter, at uh, half past nine in the morning here. Um, the other day it was up to 39 degrees, which is too hot even for, for an Englishman to walk around in. So probably need like a pair of underpants or a hanky to knot on my head and, and walk around in. <laughs> or, or I could use my face mask because that was one of the things we had to do when it was, um, when you fly. So I just flew from Newcastle Airport and second you, second you go into the airport, it has to be face mask on, sanitize your hands, um, face mask on all the way in the airport. Um, once you get through security, security was fine, just a little bit slower than normal, uh, but plenty of these big distance and stickers, which we're all used to now on the floors, um, got through. And there was only two shops open, which was quite nice as well, to be fair. You weren't getting bombarded with uh, ways to waste your money. Um, there was a, um, the Cafe Rattata was open and Boots was open as well. So you could still get your meal deal, or it's sold out of meal deals uh, from Boots. So no cheap sandwich and crisps. Uh, Cafe Rattata, though, was selling uh, not just coffee, but it was selling lager and bottles of Magnus as well, which suited the Ryanair crowd. Um, we flew it at 10, 10.20, but Ryanair was flying out at 8 a.m. They were doing a Malaga flight and a Palmer flight, and there was plenty of people still managing to get their pre-holiday pints. Yeah. So 10.20 in the morning, that would have been time for about four pints in the airport, wouldn't it? Well, I managed to get four in, Peter, which was, you know, and, but I had a couple in the house as well because I wasn't sure. Um, just, so, just to be on the safe side. Well equipped, yeah. But uh, no, but it was the case we kind of we packed packed our food on the on our bags because EasyJet weren't running a trolley service either. So get on the plane, mask on for that all the time unless you're having any, uh, something to eat or drink. Um, and actually, it was it was a nicer way of being on an EasyJet aircraft because the board of the thing. The board of the middle of the plane first, so it's like kind of like seats 15 to 20, go on first. Then they boarded the front, by the, obviously the front steps and the back via the back steps. Um, so it was a bit more civilised than the normal scrummage and like elbowing everybody over the way. And Newcastle Airport can be particularly bad at times for uh, impatient Geordies and Magnums hitting each other over the way to, to, to get on the plane. And then actually getting off the plane was quite civilised as well. We disembarked from the front. Uh, row by row by row again so it wasn't like the scrummage but the second the captain lands and they say please don't get out of your seat and somebody gets up anyway straight away and pulls the hand luggage down there was none of that um, was it busy Dan how many people flying away the at the minute plane, 
the plane was about 90% full. Mm-hmm. There was um, couple, a couple of empty seats. We, we had, there's four of us, so we pre-booked our seats. We had a, a middle and an aisle and a middle and an aisle. And the two window seats either side of us were, were empty. Um, but apart from that, it, was, it, was, it looked pretty full. Um, obviously, it looked like Newcastle would just fly in four or five planes out in the morning, then closing down for the rest of the day. So, um, so there was that. And then once we arrived in Malaga, it looked like there'd been one of a flight that came in. Um, Malaga-wise, you, you've got to fill a form in online before you get there. You get a QR code for that. That just says where you're staying, also what flight you stayed on, uh, what flight you came in on and what seats you were on, which is probably going to help with some sort of track and trace for the Spanish, I guess. Um, uh, you, you walk through a thermal imaging uh, bit after passport control. You're going to get your full body scan and a couple of things. Hand across your QR codes, get bleeped in, uh, get your bags, and then we were off. So it was not too bad. Not too bad a journey at all. Dan, just before we come to the other chaps, one of the um, well, there's a couple of sort of images on the TV that that have sort of stuck out, and also on things like this when you're talking to people on Skype and Teams and what have you. It's normally that somebody walks in in the background, either the kids come in or whatever. But the other image is of people wearing quite smart tops. And, and, and as far as the camera can see, and a bit less so. So just to make sure you haven't done that, would you mind just standing up and taking a couple of steps back? Obviously, this uh, is no good for people listening on the podcast, but the YouTube yeah. channel, it's well worth a watch for this kind of thing. You just never yeah. know. Jazzy shirt, sleeves rolled up because I'm hot. Ah. <laughs> Busted. Busted. Swimming short. I was worried for that it was going to be the speedos, but I'll accept that. That's no problem. No, no, no I'm, not, I'm not a speedo wearer, Peter. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. good. You've saved us all. Uh, just coming to, to, to Greg as well. Um, Greg, one of the, the statistics I just picked up uh, in the week, knowing that Daniel was away, was just looking at how many people um, are intending to have a summer holiday away this year. So just coming across to you, I think 77% of the public surveyed do not intend to go away, uh, go abroad this year. Um, are you thinking of doing that or are you going to have a staycation? No, Peter, I, 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 good morning, everybody, or good afternoon, depending on what time of the day you're listening and, and hello, fellow podcasters. Um, I guess I guess it, it's kind of a, a, a strange question for me, Peter, because it's almost not by choice uh, that I am going away later on this year. So those of you that have listened to other podcasts will know that I was due to be married in April uh, abroad. And with about three weeks' notice, it was cancelled. So the company we booked it through were fantastic for about 24 hours and then very quickly realised how many people were in the same position we were in. And their service just turned absolutely terrible. So it was a case of no phone lines, emails taking a week to reply. Um, And us, us in limbo, so it was a party of 11 going to the Caribbean. So certainly wasn't cheap. Uh, so they, they offered us a voucher. Um, I'll not go into the figure of exactly how much the voucher was for, but it, it certainly wasn't a £10 food voucher which we're all being offered. Um, <laughs> I, I, I sort of felt very, I felt very uncomfortable um, having a bit of paper essentially worth that much money, which wouldn't have been at all protected. It wouldn't have been covered. It would have just been on, on good faith that that company would exist six months later. So we rebooked. Um, we looked at everything and we considered all things and we rebooked for October, uh, Peter. So um, fingers crossed, we are going to the Bahamas. Um, I've spoke to everybody in the party, the 11, um, and and everybody's comfortable actually. So when you're talking about them stats, if if strictly speaking, you know, pretty much two or three out of 10 would be uncomfortable. uh, That's certainly not my family. Um, Now, whether that's because we you know, are used to travelling and whatever. But but for me, I'm as you can see, I'm I'm in the office. I've been in the office throughout, and it just feels and seems normal to me to then go and do things like travelling. Um, but there are more elderly uh, people travelling with us. I think the oldest member of the party is in their early 70s, and actually really keen and excited to travel. Um, so you know, not being ageist and not not wanting to. Say the elderly shouldn't travel, um, but actually, I, I'm, I'm being very careful what I'm saying here. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, they, 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 
the lady that's the, the eldest of the, the party is probably the most keen to be getting abroad and traveling. Um, so she's looking at it from a, a positive side of things. So no, not, none of us are negative. We've got you know, a couple of months, hopefully things continue to calm down and we don't start doing what they're doing in America, which is just you know pool parties with a thousand people in a swimming pool, which you wouldn't normally do, but it's almost like they're trying to prove a point over there of how silly you can be. So. Um, no, I think listening listening to Dan and I've, I've spoke to him obviously since he's been away, just asking about things like what was it like and you know, I've actually got a couple of friends that work at the airport uh, who are back now working after being furloughed and they, they've said it's, it's, it's you know fantastic that they're getting so many passengers through and from their perspective it's, it's only going to normalise more and more so they're expecting more flights, they're actually you know catering for more people coming through opening more of the shops and, and the like. So, no, Peter, I, I, yeah. I'm actually glad to be part of the minority because um, it means it, it's got less chance of going wrong between now and October. Um, but yeah, looking, looking forward to it and fingers crossed um, that we don't have to have a, another wedding cancelled because it, it obviously doesn't sound, you know, too clever, does it? I was, I was actually talking to my fiancé about this last night, Jenny, uh, saying, you know, we must be one of the only people that have had a wedding cancelled, but then still go on to get married. Uh, there probably isn't many that do get cancelled, but yeah, that, that, that's where we're at, Peter. So very much looking forward to getting away. No, no hesitance from myself. Good, great. Well, well, we'll not ask you to stand up, Greg, just in case. Um, David, <laughs> I'll, I'll come to you. Uh, Greg mentioned an interesting word there, this word furlough that, that's cropped up a lot in the last few months. I don't know whether anybody had heard that word before, but, but I'm just curious, David, uh, somebody who's lived a long time in the Northeast. What does furlough mean if you come from Ashington? <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> it's even worse because David's still on mute. <laughs> what it means? <laughs> Nothing to anyone. Um, David, this week a lot of announcements I saw the, the moment you know, the markets reacted to them, David. But uh, did you want to answer the furlough question, or, or did you just want to ignore that one? Uh, I thought you were going to just say that. No, Peter, I, I, I never ignore anything that you ask. I mean, I, I didn't ignore the, uh, the little kind of DJ jokes that you got in at the beginning about half cut and all that kind of thing. I, um, I, often, I just carry a waste bin here, so every now and then you think I'm bending down to do. I'm just being sick. Okay, so, <laughs> David. David, it's just it's just called sticking to a script, David. You could have a try at it sometime. <laughs> no. Go, what you should go, do, go, you should get, oh, if that's the case, you get get somebody else to write your script. I'll write your script for you. <laughs> furlough, furlough <laughs> from Eshing. Nobody, nobody will understand that joke unless you're from. Eshington or from Emble or Bla even Blythe, really. Blythe's kind of a bit too south for that. I've, I've no idea, Peter, what, what would furlough mean from... I've never been to Eshington. I've been, I've seen, they've toured around it, around the outside of it. Okay, but I've never actually dared to go in, you know. It means there's somebody behind you. Are you looking forward to Wagamama's opening, David? You're getting a £10 voucher soon to go down there. Never been into Wagamama's. I've heard that Wagamama's has gone um, in administration. Is that right? Oh, I think you might be right. The voucher came too late. Sweet. A bit like Greg's. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine letting them stand with a voucher and people going, what's that? <laughs> when, you said, when you said it wasn't at all protected, did you mean it wasn't at all protected? Oh. <laughs> it's a bit like a, a, bit like a giant check. Trying to walk in and spend it. <laughs> Chris, restore some sanity. Um, yeah, tell us he said. A, a lot this week on VAT tax cuts and, and support for some businesses and to try to get us all out there spending a bit of money over the next few months. So how's that gone down in the markets and what other economic news have you got for us? Yeah, sure. I'll be straight with you. It hasn't really had so much of an effect in the sense that um, I think from my perspective, it's, it's a little bit of a stopgap. Uh, basically, the UK government uh, obviously looking for more visibility around what happens later in the year with the coronavirus. 
ahead of October and they put some measures in uh, just to see what, what they can do to, to try and stimulate the economy. I think there's a, a couple of things in there which I would describe as more immediate. Um, first one is, is obviously the VAT cut. And the second one is the, the stamp duty as well. And I think the stamp duty is actually quite important in the sense that a lot of people are quite nervous around falling house prices. And what happens is falling house prices give you a kind of negative wealth effect, which then feeds through into consumption overall. So in some ways, it's, it's not had so much of an effect on, on stock market return or asset price return overall. But I think maybe you know, just a couple of other things over the week. Um, I think one thing that's been really interesting is you've seen China up 8%. So the Chinese stock market up 8%, which is incredible. And what you're seeing there is a, a kind of first in, first out mentality in the sense that China was obviously the first to experience the coronavirus. And actually, now when you see the economic data coming from not just China, but Asia in general, you're starting to see an improvement in that. You're starting to see that economic data showing expansion. And I think the final thing for me, um, and this is quite pertinent to the true potential portfolio proposition, is that you've seen the NASDAQ, the US technology index, go and reach a new high. Um, and we've got a couple of large positions in the true potential portfolio. So Apple and Microsoft. So Apple's up 40% since the start of the year. Microsoft is up 35% since the start of the year, which is great. And it, I think for me, it just shows the, the resilience of those business models. It shows a new way of, of consuming in some ways. And I think that filters into actually what we're doing here at True Potential. You're using technology with financial services overall. And we know it's been a, a great half year for True Potential. Mm -hmm. And Chris, just just give us a um, a sense, if you will, of for clients and advisors who are watching and listening to this, what sort of decision or how does how does this um, sort of environment we're in now with um, the coronavirus, how, how does that affect your decision making in terms of what you're how you're structuring the portfolios or or, or does it not? Give give us a bit of an insight into how you and the team go about that. Yeah, no, it's it's a really good question. Um, I think from our perspective, we we look at a lot of different data points. And I think for me, there's, there's two questions around how we move forward. And it filters into all of the things that we're actually talking about at, at the start of the podcast. So the first is, is what happens with people coming back to work and what will be the, the levels of unemployment as we move forward. And I think the second is, you know, it's just really around consumption. And obviously we talked about the, the 10 pound voucher there, but will people go out or will they still be nervous around the coronavirus overall? You know, we talked about the holidays um, for, for Dan and for Greg. And again, you know, will people start to travel or will people be more nervous? So for me, the, the two key points are really around consumption and unemployment. And what we do is we monitor different data points around that to try and get an overall view around you know, what is happening with, with the world consumer. Mm. And Greg, if I can just come back to you, we talked about sort of Chris giving it from our perspective there, but from the advisors you talk to, and you talk to to loads of them every every day and every week, what's their what's their kind of perspective at the minute as we're beginning to come out of this lockdown and this different situation that we've had to operate in? And and I guess for the, what do you think will change in the way they operate and go about their business from say before when we went into lockdown? Yeah, Peter, I actually read an article just yesterday, 10% 10, 10 of financial advisors looking to close their office permanently. I actually think that's quite a low number. Um, you know, a lot of them have found ways of working remotely. They've found new ways of servicing their clients. And it's technology true potential have provided for years to our financial advisors is, is kindly finally coming to the forefront. Um, you know, we, we, we talk about this often where we've told our advisors, all of your clients are on that, you know, all, all of your clients are in one device and you can have things like Zoom meetings and, and, and the like, but they've always been, you know, almost like cockroaches. They've always been the, the you know, they've, they've wanted to just go and see their clients and it's been a kind of catastrophic event of a virus where they've not wanted to go into their clients' homes for obvious reasons. They've, they've embraced this technology and I think that for me is the, the big thing, so to see the article yesterday that 
or close their office. I was I was really surprised, and I don't think that replicates our advisors. That a lot of them I've spoke to have, you know, talked to me about actually I've managed to reduce costs, I've managed to reduce paperwork, administration, and also things like going to see a client. You probably spend as long in the car and spend as much on fuel, you know, getting to, to go and see the client as as you'd make in the meeting. So the likes of Impulse Save, obviously, as we've talked about, has been massively used over the period. Um, and for me, I think advisors are, are, are getting back to work, Peter, and I mean that in a, in a nice way. We, we had a great you know, couple of months from a sales perspective, um, but we did see a bit of a dip at first, and I think that was just them, them reacting to what's gone on. It took them a while to realise, how do I function in this new world? Uh, and thankfully, they've attended our webinars, they've attended our our sessions on how to use technology. So like most, we had to train our staff, but also our clients as advisors, um, how to use the likes of Zoom, uh, which I'd not heard of you know, before March this year. I didn't know Zoom was even a thing. And, and now it's in everyday life. Google Meet, you know, another. Um, these are companies, I'm sure, which are doing very well out of, out of this as well. But yeah, the, the advisors overall, Peter, I think are, are, are very resilient. They've, they've, they've lasted and, and, and been tested by other events, but the, how they're going to cope going forward, I think, yeah, I, I was very shocked that number was as low as 10% making that change. And, and Daniel, if I can just bring you back in on that point as well, I suppose since the last podcast or around about the last time of the last podcast, we've moved into the second half of the year now and, and as a chief executive and as a business it's always that moment when you do look back at how did we do in the first six months? What, if anything, do we change in the next six months? It's almost like a business milestone, if you like. Uh, and what are your sort of thoughts? I mean, I think you you wrote a note out to all of our advisors and uh, and such like, and you, you said in that it was almost like a, it was a year of two halves. Yeah. Um, just give us a view on sort of how you look back and, and what you're thinking of going forwards. I think it certainly was, Peter. I think we um, we really sprinted into the start of this year. And um, we, we had a really busy December. We had a great December, in fact. And then that spilled straight into a very fast start in January. Typically, what we find is after Christmas, people t tend to take two two weeks or so off to try and time their run back to the office when the, when the children start coming back. Uh, so typically, you don't see January get going until, you know, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, for instance. But... Um, it was it, it flew along. I remember being very surprised at just the level of activity in the beginning. Uh, February, very much the same as well. And then obviously, as 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 Corona started or COVID started being taken a bit more seriously, um, things did slow down a bit. Um, and as far as I think, a lot of the a lot of the country, not not just our industry, a lot of the country stopped, you know, paralysed a wee bit. Um, if you remember way back when when we were doing these podcasts, we we weren't, but that was down to our level of preparedness. We'd done test after test uh, to make sure that us as a business were ready to continue to look after our clients. So for us, it was actually very slick. And as far as we just kind of sent a text message at 8.30 on the night, uh, uh, Monday the 23rd of March, I think it was, and all the girls and boys at the office were uh up and running by 7 30 8 a.m the next day um so in terms of that it, it, it was fine but we did find it, it took a bit of confidence with the advisors if, if you think the way in which an advisor typically either meets new clients or services their existing clients it tends to be a face-to-face -face life um always supported by the technology we've always talked about and david talks a lot about this concept of hybrid advice where the client is helping themselves with the technology, but the advisor is always there in the background. Um, so hybrid advice has been a real winner, but it did. It was a bit of confidence for the for the advisor. I think, as Greg was saying, it was a bit of having to push them a little bit and say, "Look, give it a go with your clients. Give them a remote, you know, video call. See how it gets on." And actually, you know, I think it's it's became very much the norm now. I I agree with Greg as well. I think a lot more than ten percent because I just know from speaking to advisors won't be going back to the office. Um, a lot of them don't anyway. A lot, if, if you look at a lot of who our advisors are, they're one-person um, uh, companies that they tend to have an office in their back gardens or, you know, or in, in, in the study, in the room, and then they'll go out and visit clients. Um, 
So I think the only thing that may change with some advisors is a lot less client visits. I think they may still go and see new clients face to face. They kind of get this kind of build empathy, so to speak. But I think for existing clients, someone you've known for five, ten plus years and looked after them, you probably don't need that um, that 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 face to face all the time with them. Yeah. And David, just to come across to you, I suppose as well, just thinking about the second half of the year, looking ahead, just. I mean, I'm thinking at a sort of a slightly higher level than, than perhaps what we've just been talking about there with Dan, you know, consumers um, heading back out again and just generally what looking ahead, no one knows what the next six months got in store. But you're, you're notoriously quite good at looking around corners and sort of being, you know, you're quite good at uh, making some of these predictions. And how do you see the next six months shaping up insofar as you can? Uh, we've just had the um, latest announcements. Um, I'm waiting for the next announcement because it's it's about nine o'clock. So Rishi hasn't or Johnson hasn't said anything so far today, which is unusual. Um, I think we'll make an announcement at ten o'clock, Peter, and then at three o'clock I'll make another announcement to put right the announcement they made at ten o'clock. So <laughs> you make an announcement. It's like I think it's just like being inside one of those pinball machines where it's like ping. And off you go, bounce off that side, and you go, oh, look. And I voted for them. I wouldn't know who to vote for at the moment. I just would vote for somebody who would just sit down for at least 30 seconds and think before they make announcements. I'm saying that on the back of you know, I've got interests in hotels and other things. So, um, in theory, I should be cock a hoop about the VAT stuff. Uh, and just like a little tip for all the, these people who make these announcements. If you are running a hotel, you could say, hooray. But then at, uh, you, you're looking at somebody that was dealing with something up at half past 11 last night um, with people ringing in who booked rooms who booked restaurants who, who were just querying do we get our discount now so you know whatever you see the thing is rishi or anybody in government who never ran a business who do not understand businesses at all they also don't understand the business like ours right this kept everybody on even though we could have furloughed people right we could have but we were able to operate. Imagine how we feel when everybody else in our industry who's just furloughed people for the fun of it to save money then gets paid a thousand pounds, right? For not being patriotic or whatever words you want to use. It's absolutely ridiculous that you award people like that, you reward people like that. And unless they're careful, this lot are never going to get voted in ever again. Right, because they need to stop doing this. They need to stop showboating. Here's another one: eat out the help out or something like this. Eat out the help out. That's all right until the next slogan comes along and says, "Stop eating so much fatty." Right, because obesity is the thing that's going to stop it. Yeah. How many other things are you going to bring in? I know Boris won on a slogan. Right, I think it's actually a good prime minister. I think he's a good man. But Anne Rishi, who I've met and know, you know, a bit about, and we, as you know, co-authored some, some stuff together. But you need to, you need to look around the corner, Peter. You need to think farther ahead than this. You're not, we're not going to vote. You know, you've got an 80 majority. Just calm down for now. Just calm down and think through by doing this. So, yeah, VAT, great. So when somebody says, I've booked um, a suite of rooms, it's this, that, and the other, um, I'm all right, I can just send you £600 now. And you imagine a receptionist who's heard about the VAT on the news, it hasn't come through from a VAT man or from anybody else explaining how you do it. It's just, woo. So scores of clients ringing in, we're not certain because... It's time to send the uh, the rest of the bill. You know, we've paid a deposit. 
So we paid a deposit when it was 20%, but we're going to come when it's only 5%. How much do we pay? We've worked out it's such and such. Is that right? Multiplied by scores of people. Well, the, the, the thing is with that, David, as well, it's, it's unclear what the intention of the Chancellor of the VAT Court was, was because I've, I've spoken to some business owners who said they see it as being an ability for them to keep. So they'll still charge the client the same amount of money, but they'll keep the difference to make up for the fact they've been out of business for three, four months. Whereas some people, as you'll find out with potential clients there, are saying, no, we want, we want our 15% back. Yeah, there's two views. I, I, I spoke to a very senior accountant at half past nine last night. I had to apologise because obviously he's an accountant. It's 9.30 at night. He'd be, he'd, be think, he'd be thinking about maybe having some extra tonic in his gin that he bought from Lidl or Aldi or something like that. Like Being an accountant, sitting on a very beigey kind of thing. However, he didn't know either. He began to tell us about... Oh, it's only Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And I said, what? Five percent. I said, that's a killer weekend. Are you sure? He said, actually, I'm not. No, it's uh, that's the said, vouchers. That's, that's the, vo- the vouchers, yeah. But the, the other, the other oh, thing is... I was pretty clear. But I, what I wasn't certain... I must admit, you know, I was talking to the, the person running the hotel, and I was saying... Look, I think, I think it's, 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 it's give the client more money. Um, and they were saying, well, that's not how it's sold to us. It's, it's to help us. And I said, well, it's the increased demand, I believe, but it's not clear. So you surely get something through from the VAT. She said, I'm sure I won't get anything through in time to clarify this. I'm positive because you didn't get anything through about furlough, right? Or things like that. It took them six weeks to get that original money back. It put many businesses out of business. You, what you've got to do before you make these announcements is talk to your civil servants, talk to the, the, to the, the people who are going to be delivering these things, um, which in the main are, are business people, you know, uh, the, the the business people who have to do all of this work at this t- that that time at night to prepare for the changes that they now I, I think it's actually a good thing I think I think it'll stimulate the economy I think it should stimulate demand as I explained if you're going to pay twelve hundred pounds um, that's what you're going to charge them for for this suite of rooms um, th- then have you thought what your, your, your price of your rooms are. And the answer was no, we never think about it because the public think about £1,200. They don't think about £1,000 plus 20%. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he said, what do I do? I said, well, divide it by 120, you know, or divide it by 12 and multiply by 10, right, on all your prices, and then, you know, add 5%. At which point the phone went down. <laughs> 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 it's, um, it's, and I had worked it out in my head. I mean, I was working, the, the person's asking these prices. I said, I'll just pull on because I'm quite good at mental arithmetic. But you can imagine, and it'll be okay in the end, it'll be okay. Um, but it does mean that the, the brunt of this economic recovery, right? We know what it's doing. Between 60, Chris will probably have the right things, between 60 and 70% of UK GDP is consumer driven, yeah. right? So it's service led, but in the main in the UK, that means consumer spending, right? So that's what they're trying to stimulate. And it means that that person would be paying a thousand and fifty pounds for that. Whereas, you know, the day before they're paying a thousand, one thousand two hundred pounds, right? The thinking being that that extra hundred and fifty pounds It'll go in their pocket. That wouldn't be much use. They just pocket the difference. That's not going to make any change to demand. Right? The hope is, as I explained to the person last night when they came back on the phone, um, was that they'll spend that extra £150 in your hotel. In fact, you should make certain they do. You um, give, give them one of Greg's vouchers. <laughs> yeah. 
And they'll probably get a pasty or a pie <laughs> or a sausage roll. I think that's what Greg's going to get. Greg, have you got that voucher? No. Not in the Bahamas. I thought you were going to St. Lucia. You got the Bahamas. Yeah, that we were meant to be gone there, David, and then we 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 obviously had a bit of a a bit longer time to put a bit more money aside. So yeah, we made the decision to upgrade. And the the, the reason the Bahamas is apparently, and I, I know there's a great joke on the back of this, but the hotel we're staying at's famous for having swimming pigs. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I'll leave, that, yeah. I'll, leave, I'll leave that one at that, but it's it's apparently yeah it, famous for swim, swimming pigs, so not to be missed. David, you made you made a point there before, David, which I thought was quite quite a good point. It, it struck me as well when he was making the announcements the other day about he didn't not the bit I saw anyway. He didn't really have any praise or recognition for the businesses that have kept open. I mean, I think I keep reading there's about nine million people being furloughed. But there's yeah. 32 million people working in the country. So that's still a lot of people who got kept on by companies who, well, who kept going. And yeah. where's, where's, where's the recognition for that? Well, I, I, I was following it, Peter, uh, live over here. Um, and I, was, I was emailing David and the rest of the senior team. And I, it just, I, I really write down swear words and I shout them out. But I, was, I felt like thumping the keyboard. Um, because we have. We, we, we've kept all 300 members of the team fully employed. Um, we have had a dip in profits because of markets dropping. You know, we, we make money from the markets. Um, so, you know, it has cost us seven, several million pounds. We could have done what a lot of our peers have done and just furloughed staff at the cost of the taxpayer. But we didn't. We did the right thing for our staff. We did the right to look after them. And we did the right thing for our clients to ensure that we provided a service which was at full capacity all the way around. That, so that means we've got... 300 members of the team paying full national insurance and income tax. We are paying huge rates of corporation tax. Um, we've just paid out a, a dividend to our shareholders as well, which will be taxed as well from within there. So, you know, we've, we've kept going, oh, and not just us, but there's, there's countless other companies who have done the same in the United Kingdom. Now, I'm not expecting like a bloody pin badge of Matt Hancock or something like that. You know, absolutely not. But I think some recognition's right. And yeah, when, when I read about that £1,000 scheme, the, the, the furlough retention bonus scheme, which David mentioned before, I'd had enough. I put the lid down on the laptop and went out. Because that's going to cost us £9 billion in January. I don't know how much furloughs cost us so far. Billions will be the, 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 the answer. Um, but why reward firms again in, the, in six months' time? Now, I know it's to keep job retention on there. If you're going to sack, if you're going to sack somebody, you're going to sack them well before then. A thousand pounds not worth it. I, I've got a friend who's got a, a he's got a sign writing business. They had to furlough all, all of his staff, all ten of his staff, because um, the, all the shops were shut, so they weren't putting any signs up. Uh, he's now at fully full operations. He's as busy as ever, and he was skipping the other day because he said, "I'm going to get ten thousand pounds in January uh, for nothing." Basically, you know, it's it's. I, I just think, it, what a waste of money. You know, if anything, why not reward the firms who didn't furlough anybody and give them? Well, the Dan, the worst, the worst is, and I, I don't want to be um, negative about it, but but just just factual. This is all going to be paid for. You just mentioned the eye-watering sums there. This is all going to be paid back. And I, I think again, I shared with you some statistics. Uh, yeah, this is public opinions. You might not be surprised by it, but when all this comes to getting be paid back. How is it going to be paid back? And of course, you ask the public, increase taxes for the wealthiest, increase tax on corporations. So there's another kick around the corner. <laughs> well, it is. Was that in the Times yesterday, was it, Peter? Well, it was a YouGov poll which got picked YouGov, up. But I'm, right. looking, at that. I'm yeah. looking at the breakdown here from, from the YouGov. And of course, as you say, top top one, you know, tax for the wealthy, third or fourth top one, increased corporation tax. So another tax on business. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I think... Uh, Peter, I don't want to hog the, the, the thing any much longer, but right. What would have made, uh, I was always taught, right? You get what you reward, right? So, and, and the ultimate fair deal for anybody is money. Money, money is neutral. Okay, so it's not like a pat on the head, well done, 
you know, if you give people money for doing well, then you're rewarding the behavior that you want. So if you're rewarding the behavior that you want, okay, in the hospitality sector, as an example, there was no choice. The government said, close now, today. The government said that. So they closed the businesses down. So you had no choice. Even if you wanted to keep people working, it would have been illegal, right? Um, and that, 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 so there's an issue there. Um, you know, we've had a load of palaver about hairdressers opening up, as if it's a big, I, I'm, I'm beginning to get a bit frustrated with this country, I've got to say. You know, what use is a hairdresser to somebody like Chris? <laughs> I was waiting for that, Joe. <laughs> you know, I mean, how unfair is that? You know, he hasn't been waiting for the hairdresser. You know, I'm not my waiting. girlfriend's cut my hair. That's right, obviously. You know. Yeah. <laughs> on that, on that point, though, Peter, Peter, and Greg are looking very sharp. However, I think there may be two people on here who've been to the hairdressers. Well, my, mine's actually a home haircut, John, so this is Jenny's handiwork, but I do yeah. have a real, I've got a real appointment at the hairdressers on Monday, um, so I deliberately waited a week just to kind of get a bit of feedback from others who braved the shape um, of going to hairdressers and the like, but I believe Peter's had a... Well, I just, that's right, Greg, and I disagree with David, it was a huge weight off my shoulders. Chris, <laughs> can I just come to you? Um, yeah. <laughs> tell us, <laughs> tell us how you've... Uh, how have, you, how have you got on the last week post-lockdown? I know we're not officially out of lockdown, but you can do a lot more stuff now. So tell us a bit about um, what you've been up doing the last week, just on, on a kind of personal level. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm based currently just for lockdown in London. Um, and myself and my girlfriend went into central London on Saturday. So we went to a, a pub for lunch, which was really odd. Um, we, before you go inside... They want to take all your details. You have to sanitize your hands. Um, the waitress who served us the food was incredibly nervous. She kept on apologizing for leaning over us, which was was a bit weird. Um, but I'll be honest with you, it was just nice to to kind of get back to some sort of normality and just you know eat out, have a nice pint of lager. Um, it, it was great. And then I think we stayed out for a little bit in the afternoon and then just came back. So we missed you know, all the photos that you might have seen from, from Soho. We missed all of that. Um, but from my perspective, it was, I was just pleased to get back to some sort of normality. What did you have to eat? Um, I had a cheeseburger with bacon on and a side of chips. And it was very, very good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> a, a, a side of eight pints of lager. <laughs> I'm not going to answer that one. No. I, was actually, I was actually told off by my girlfriend for being a bit drunk in the afternoon. <laughs> that's got nothing to do with the pubs opening, Chris. We know that's just every no, every afternoon. <laughs> it just means you go to the pub, not the fridge. It's, um, it's normally drunk in the mornings. That's the problem. <laughs> it's always five o'clock somewhere. Um, yeah, and, and was it busy, Chris? Did you, was there lots of people in? Or I, actually, I've not been to a, a pub since since they reopened, um, sadly. But what was it like inside? I mean, it, distant tables. Did they come and take your order? Does that kind of break down by the eighth pint, or are they just not doing that anymore? Or how does it work? Um, basically, they sit you down. You're not allowed to go to the bar, so it's table service only. Really confusingly, there's lots of arrows on the floor as to where you should go to. There's a few more. You see a few more arrows when you've had a few beers as well. Yeah, it, it genuinely becomes more confusing the, the longer you spend in there. Um, but there weren't, that, there weren't that many people in there. So we, we were there. We were there for lunch. Um, there was one other group in there, so so it was pretty quiet. Um, and normally, what you'd find is it obviously gets busier as as it moves through the afternoon. We stayed there for probably about three hours and. Yeah, it just didn't really get much busier. But I think later on, things started to pick up. Yeah, there was um, a, a photo doing the rounds. People who aren't don't live in Newcastle wouldn't know this, but there's a there's quite a famous pub in Newcastle called the Black Garter, Black Garter yeah. which I, yeah. I cannot recommend, <laughs> and, I, and I've never even never even been in it. But anyway, um, there was there was a, a photo I saw for I think it was eight thirty on Saturday morning 
pubs yeah. opened at six or six thirty, that sort of time. And within a couple of hours, the queue was down the road, around the corner, past the bins. You know, some people must have been desperate for a pint. Was there well, loads of you, people with missing teeth and eye patches, or the 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 teeth between them, Chris, and the black garter. That's that's what they were, they were queuing up for to share the teeth. Um, but that's I, I, yeah. If anybody ever visits Newcastle, I would not recommend going to Black Garter. That's uh, we used to go there with a rugby team on a Saturday night, and they obviously let you in, which which probably just shows the colour of the place. I'd recommend having a look at it, but going past very quickly. Um, <laughs> Greg, what's your week? Be? Have you what have you done this week that you couldn't do last week? Yeah, Peter, I, I went out went out for dinner last night. Um, we probably two weeks before lockdown, I was out walking the dog and found a local cafe. Um, never heard of the place, never knew it existed, and went in for a coffee. Um, it's got some of the best views of the of the sea overlooking the beach. You've got a, a pier and a harbour, all sort of glass, a bit like our office. Uh, Beautiful views, beautiful spot, and that was the last I was allowed to go in there. So they closed, obviously, with lockdown, and um, I, I got to know the owner. Uh, it's a, a locally run cafe, uh, family run, and got to know the owner. We picked up a couple of food parcels from there whilst they were closed. Uh, so they'd done kind of, you know, buy a meal and cook it at home, which I thought was great. And we went there last night. Um, there was seven people in all together. Uh, they had probably the same amount of staff as there was customers, which I thought was great. Actually, the service was was top draw. A bit like, you know, Chris was saying there, you, you, you finish your drink, the next one's already there. They, they couldn't serve you enough. Um, and as, as I was having dessert, the um, shortbread biscuit was really nice. I jokingly said to the girl, where, where do you get the shortbread biscuit from? And she comes as we're leaving and gives us a box of them and said, we hope to see you back soon. So I think from a, a service and hospitality point of view, it was, you know, fantastic. But from a, again, reading, you know, the poll, Peter, that people people saying they're not all that willing to go into restaurants. I think once you've done it, I think you'd be more than willing to do it again. I felt very comfortable, very safe there. We filled the registration and online, so it was kind of bookings only. Um, when we arrived, they pretty much asked us for ID against our booking so they knew who we were they turned people away at the door who didn't have a reservation said book online and come back later when we were in there it was all of the the, the wash your hands etc but it was very comfortable as well at the same time it wasn't you know awkward there was no kind of you know a bit like when you go to the supermarkets you've almost got to get your elbows out you're like alan shearer in the aisles keep getting people keeping their distance um, there was there was none of that. It was very at ease. It was very comfortable. And um, of course, I'll be going back, uh, which is the main thing. So a good a good experience for me, Peter. But again, as I say, I'm I'm used to travelling around. I'm used to being in the office. I'm used to being at work. So I've not been in isolation. I don't know what it's like to you know not leave the house for days and days on end. So I'm, for my, for myself, anyways, it's it's kind of just good to be out. And as, as Chris said, probably I'm one or two pints um, to, to be fresh and ready for this morning's podcast. So, yeah, uh, yeah all, all good. All good, I would say. Very good experience. Daniel, just, I don't know if you've been out and about much while you've been over in Spain in the week, but, of course, Spain, if you go back a couple of months, was, you know, top or worst, however you look at it, but we had a really, really sure. bad time um, dealing with the coronavirus. And then, of course, we decided to take their crown. Um, but but how has it been just out and about? Um, what what's what's the sort of long-lasting effect there that that you've noticed, or is there any? I haven't been out, Peter. Um, we we decided it's it, it's a very small village where where the house is, and quite an elderly population here. Um, so I think you know, yes, it, it took a bit of a gamble ourselves getting on an aeroplane, but I don't think it's right to then kind of push that gamble on to everybody else and, yes. and, and, and infect a, a, a community here where I think this community had one or two cases in total um, throughout. Um, so I'm being out, we're not going to go out for another couple of days at least. Um, we're not showing any symptoms yet, but obviously at Spain there aren't any lockdown. You know, you, you could, if I wanted to, I could have went straight to the bar or straight to the beach or anything like that. 
Um, they are insisting on face masks indoors all the time. Um, you also have to have a face mask on you at all times. You've got to have it in your pocket. You'd, you don't have to wear one if you're in a restaurant or a bar, as you can imagine, that could get a bit messy. Um, but you have to have it in the pocket. And if the police come, uh, you've got to produce it. If you don't produce it, you can get a fine of up to a thousand euros. Um, knowing what the Spanish police are like, particularly the Guardia Seville, they will relish that rule mm. as well. Um, you know, so so there'll be no kind of grey areas there. So um, we, we'll probably go out next week sometime, Peter. But we, we drove through. It's about an hour and a half's drive from the airport to here. And you, you go through quite like a, a few of these little Pueblo Blancos and a lot of... Um, a lot of cafes there with, with pretty busy looking. People sat outside having a having a beer on a Saturday afternoon or, or, or a little bite to eat as well. So some signs, and we, we've been getting our shopping delivered. Um, so the, the lad who's been dropping it off, been having a bit of chat with him, and he, he, they seem okay. Right? Just, he, he says, we're not really taking any risks. He says, I, I'm not going to the, to the beach at all. He's, he's a lad who with his friends and spend quite a lot of time on the weekend going to the beach, but he just said, I'm not going to the beach because he says there's a lot of cases in Malaga right now, which is probably then spreads down to your, your Marbeas, your, your Fuengarolas, your Estepones and, and, and what have you. So I kind of, th- I'll be led by him. I think if, if he's thinking it's a risk too much to go to the beach, then um, same applies for me really. How do you chat to him in English or in Spanish? <laughs> Spanglish. Um, he, he, um, he, he, he speaks uh, good English, actually. I speak poor Spanish, but so uh, the, the poor lad gets me practicing on him. Um, but it, it, he, he tries to practice his English on me, so it's like a, a bit of a trade-off. <laughs> give, us a bit of, give us a bit of your best Spanish. You must have known that was coming. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> David, so we've just heard from, heard from the, the lads there about their experiences of going out, but just to flip it around in your experience as somebody who owns a hotel what have you had to go through operationally in the last month to get ready for for reopening um a heck of a lot peter um a heck of a lot of expense um we uh we have a consultant i think for health and safety under normal circumstances um and whether we've overdone it or not i don't know but um the, the, the whole, from a business point of view, the intention was to make clients feel safe, number one, um, and, and practical. But you could be, it could become hugely impractical if you, because there's no exact rules, of course, with these things. So we spent a lot of money on PPE um, uh, and Perspex, um, the same company that Daniel was on about, the, the same lad. Um, furloughed, he uh, came along and and we've done it quite tastefully. We've even branded the Perspex screens. There's a whole um, a whole art to the everything we've done, but um, it's been costly. Um, we uh, we are absolutely full for the next few weeks. First uh, weekend wasn't too full. But we did have people coming up from London. Um, they would stay there before. Um, they love it there, and you know, um, people were commenting on. Um, they did feel safe. Um, I went up there for a coffee. Um, I mean, I, I'm not bothered. <laughs> I'm bothered in any case. But so I'm the, the wrong person to be testing these things out on. But um, yeah, you know, you the the, the the, the cost of this is quite large um, and you hope that the, the public will come out. Um, I, I, a bit like Daniel, if, if you just look at the Daniel example there of taking the risk to go, Greg's example as well, Chris's example of you probably didn't think of it as a risk because it's not as though you're going out and you're thinking, right, we're going to get in a fight. That's a risk. So, you know, you know, you can't fight, you can't see the virus, so you don't know what you're fighting. You don't know what you're up against. So it's a very different thing. You can't not breathe, but you can not touch, and you can keep your distance, right? But if you don't, like those idiots, 
you know, that you see on the TV. And we don't know how much of that is symptomatic of the general population or you've got, as per normal, reporters running around and looking for the one area where there's a lot of people and they get the camera down at the right level so it looks as though everybody's jammed in together rather than an aerial view which might have shown them spread out. So you, you're getting all that stuff out here. Um, I, I, I think, you know, uh, I, I worry about common sense. I've said this before. I think common sense is just it resides in one person's head at a time. What's common sense to me isn't common sense to you. Uh, and that's why you have conflict. Um, but we've we've spent a lot of money there. The, the, the bookings are high. Um, the demand is there. Without the VAT, the demand was there. All right. Um, it's just another giveaway. Whether that's, you, you've got to put yourself in the mind of the, the consumer you've got to put yourself in the mind of the local businesses before you make these announcements i'm not against it clearly i think hotels will benefit from it i think but there's not a clear line between that and and you know it's cheaper to go there but what happens if they just keep the money yeah that's the point what happens if they just put it in the pocket because we want the opposite we want people to be spending money the big the, the big test, Peter, I don't want to sound negative because I'm not at all. I'm a very positive uh, person. And, and if I see negativity, I find a way to turn it into something positive. Um, big tests to come. Yeah. Let's, let's finish off then. Just wanted to go around each of you and ask, um, what's the one thing you think you'll not go back to? How we've all operated during this lockdown. What do you think will change for good in the way you um, go about either your personal life or your working life. Chris, I'll come to you first because I can tell you you've got one on the edge of your tongue there. Yeah. Um, I think uh, one thing I've really enjoyed actually, which maybe I, I didn't used to do so much of, is is kind of getting out and going for a walk. And I think that's something that I'd, I'd like to continue. Um, yeah, that, that, that for me is probably something that I didn't really do that much of before. I'd try and like do something or go somewhere or instead of just sort of enjoying the, the surroundings. So that, that's probably one thing for me. Daniel, what's your change for good? I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm quite a stubborn sod, Peter, which I know will come as a surprise to anyone who's working with me. I'm quite stubborn, but I'm also quite antisocial. So I kind of do what I want anyway. <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to think of like something which I would often see as a bit of an ordeal, which I don't like doing. And I, I, I'm, I'm struggling to, struggling to think, but, Certainly, like Chris, I, I, you know, if anyone's watched my working from home video and things, um, I've, I have been out a lot more. I've been a lot more active in terms of walking and in terms of exploring the countryside. And I've, I have enjoyed that. I've been, been um, sad enough or, or brainy enough to download the Odin Survey app, pay the subscription for it, so you unlock loads of different trails and things like that. And I've, I've actually quite enjoyed exploring where I live, which is, sounds like a mad thing to say. Like, why wouldn't you know where you live? But mm-hmm. Northumberland's quite a, a beautiful place. There's, there's tens or hundreds of miles of tracks, trails and places to go. Um, so I've actually enjoyed having a bit more time to, to do some of that instead of trying to cram everything into a weekend like, yeah. you, like you'd normally do. Yeah. Greg? Um, probably probably the same as the other, the other panellists. Peter, just a case of getting out and doing more walking, doing more kind of exercise where I can. But the the good bad habit I've picked up is playing golf. Uh, I think I've spoken about this before, but um, obviously as someone that's played football for a long, long time, and I've finally give you know hung up my boots. I've, I've picked up golf and I've said it now, so I know I'm going to get quite a lot of stick on the back of it. I can see David's reaction yeah. in the background there, so. I know what's coming after saying that, but that's been the one good thing for me. And I actually played at the weekend and had my best round ever of a, shooting a, a 92, uh, which I believe is good. I, 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 don't know if it, I don't know if it's good or not. There's only good. one thing worse than playing golf. It's people who talk about it. It's like people who go, it's like people who go skiing. And they come back and they tell you all about what they've been doing, how you know what the slopes were. I went down the black run. I did this, uh, you know. 
Greg, you were brave there because you knew David was next as well, oh, and you said I, it. Uh, I knew, well, I knew that was coming, but you know. What I'm going to do, uh, the thing I'm going to be doing, Peter, when I go back, I'm going to buy some pigs and and <laughs> put them in a pool. And when I get out, I'm going to teach them to play golf, like all the other silly golfers. So some, some little piggies with some little golf sticks. And then let's go for a swim when they get heated up, going around the, going around the course and doing a 92. Did you have any birdies? <laughs> I'm going to buy a golf course and close it. <laughs> right, I think we should get ourselves right out of this bunker right now. Yes. Right. Okay. Uh, well, look, thank you very much for everyone for watching and tuning in. And don't forget to, as I said at the beginning, keep in touch with our YouTube channel. There's lots more on there as well. Uh, subscribe to that and keep in touch with us on social media. So for today, from uh, Greg, from David, from Chris, and from Daniel in Spain, it's adios for now. Hasta luego. Hasta luego. <laughs>